This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. If he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day returns you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now, when Jesus mentions this, he's not asking us to walk around all day with a notepad. That's one. That's two. Actually, if you looked in Matthew 18, he said to Peter, he said, listen, pal, I don't ask you to forgive seven times. I ask you to forgive seven times 70. That's 490 times. So when he's saying that, it wasn't about let's tally them, let's mark them. You know what Jesus was telling us? You better put on the the garment of forgiveness and you better learn to live with unlimited forgiveness. You just gotta go through life and say, Lord, I'm not gonna allow the hurts to cling to me. I'm not gonna allow these stumbling blocks to get me off track. And he said, it's impossible, impossible. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter number 10. Romans 10, and as you're turning to Romans 10, I'm gonna make a statement here, and this may be one of those statements you might wanna write down. I must never allow you to make me responsible for your choices. Let me say it one more time. I must never allow you to make me responsible for your choices. The things I do is my choice, okay? The things you do, that's where we go back. Take heed to yourself. Now, why is this so important? Romans 14, verse number 10. But why do you judge your brother? Question mark. Why? Why do you judge your brother? That's not your job. Then he goes on to ask us another why, and he says, or why do you show contempt for your brother? Question mark. In other words, again, that's not your job. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Mark all. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will give account to Jesus for my actions and my behaviors. And when I stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, tell me about Eddie Williams. He's going to say, tell me about you. We all stand before the judgment seat of God. So I've got to continually take heed to myself. Verse 11, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Here's the thing with that verse right there. You can willingly do that by choice, but you don't have to. But the day is coming that you will. Whether by choice or when we get to this thing called eternity, you're gonna realize this is true. Verse number 12, so then each of us, wow, Each of us shall give account of himself to God. I'm gonna have to answer for me again. God will deal with me pertaining to me just like he's gonna deal with you pertaining to you. Verse 13, 
Therefore, let us not judge one another any more or any longer. Have any of you ever had a problem about judging other people? That would be me. Actually, let me fill in the blank there. That would be every one of us. But rather resolve this. Interesting. He said, let's resolve this. And so when he says, let's resolve this, he's saying, let's resolve this in our hearts. Let's get this right in our hearts. And he goes on in verse 13 and says, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So he said, Let, let's live with the touch of heaven. Let's live with anointing. Let's resolve this instead of being the stumbling block. Let's resolve this instead of being the cause. It's important we understand this. And so the key to overcoming unforgiveness and these traps is, Father God, put within my heart a desire to resolve this. Because I don't want to hang on to, to bitterness. I don't want to hang on to resentment. Because if I hang on to resentment, you're going to live bitter. You're not going to live better. You're going to live bitter. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And if you're turning there again, and I, I got to get to a place in my life where I, I live with forgiveness. And when I don't, I, I begin to wallow in self-pity. And when self-pity leads to this isolation, you isolate yourself. Or when I live in unforgiveness, I live with this victim mentality that life hasn't been fair to me. Both of those, I believe, are traps. Both of them. Acts chapter 6, we're going to be a little bit in Acts 6, Acts 7, and Acts 8. Just a little bit, okay? Normally here early in the year, I teach a series on called the GPS, giving, praying, and serving. I'm going to highlight just a little bit of serving this morning because it's going to tie into this. And so just hang in here with me, okay? I, I want you to get a heart of, of a servant today a little bit. Acts 6, verse 1. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, that was good, the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint. There arose a complaint. When I don't deal with complaints, a complaint has the ability to fester. A complaint has the ability to infect even a church. So he said, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews, which were the Jews, by the Hellenists. Now, that word Hellenist there, these were people that were Jews that were raised in Greece. They spoke Greek is what they did. So there's a complaint between these Greeks and these Jews. Now watch what the complaint was. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So you know what they're saying here? These widows aren't being taken care of. Verse 2. Then the 12 disciples summoned the multitude of disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So what was taking place here, these Greeks got mad because their orphans weren't being served at the tables. 
Now the disciples said, it's not good for us to leave the word of God and serve. Now when they said this, this wasn't a form of arrogance. This wasn't a form of better than thou. That wasn't what this was for. The word of God will explain this here in just a minute. Verse three, therefore brethren, seek out from among you seven men. Now when I read this, this daily distribution of the service to these widows, it wasn't taken lightly. They said, we gotta do something. So they looked for seven men. Now watch real closely here their qualifications. Men of good reputation. Good reputation. The second one, full of the Holy Spirit. Wow, that was one of the qualifications. It shows me the significance of the Holy Spirit, not just in our lives, but to fulfill calls. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon, there's an anointing, there's a power that will help us. They were full of the Holy Spirit, and the third one was, and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So they're, they're not downplaying this one single bit. And so they said, we gotta get seven men that, that are good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. So you know what you begin to see here? This ministry called the distribution to the widows, this wasn't viewed as insignificant. It wasn't viewed as this isn't important. This was a big deal. So what I begin to see here, it's one thing to serve and it's another thing to serve with the spirit of excellence. That I believe too many times within the church, we view this position as really important, but that one, you know, it's not. Anything that's done to serve in the kingdom, it's huge. And if it's huge, then we ought to do it with the spirit of excellence. And I'll stand here before you today and I'll say, I can't do what I do on a Sunday morning without people on cameras, back here the sound, people in the nurseries. Understand this, what you do for the kingdom of God, it's significant. If you don't believe me, keep reading here with me. Verse four. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now you know why they said this? This was the highest importance to the disciples. And what he's talking about here, we needed more time in prayer and the word than an increase in activity. I can tell you right now, I appreciate every one of you in here that allows me to stay in the word and pray. I believe it's important. I believe it's huge. But the point of all this is every one of us have a part to play in this. So I back up a little bit. Matthew 5, verses 43, 44, Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. These men that were chosen, these seven, they didn't feel spitefully used. They said, this is kingdom business. And so when you read this here, the serving of tables, the distribution to the widows, you know what that equals? Ministry. Because ministry is people. 
And anytime we do anything to help mankind, that's ministry. Thank you for those three holy grunts. Yes. So they begin to minister. Same chapter, verse 8. Now, Stephen, and you say, Who's Stephen? Well, he was one of the seven. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, that verse, right, it's, it's loaded with stuff, okay? So it's very obvious. Stephen says, I'll serve tables. If that's what you need me to do, I'll serve tables. So when you study the passage of Scripture, this was so significant that the other disciples, they prayed for them and they laid hands on them, which commissioned them to serve within the church to say, we believe what you're doing. So this guy named Stephen, who is a table waiter. And as a table waiter, my Bible said he was full of faith and power and did great signs and wonders among the people. So because he made himself available to serve, he didn't just serve the widows. He served the people. His heart of a servant gave him opportunity to start ministering to everybody. And isn't it interesting? The Holy Spirit began to work through him. Ooh, the Holy Spirit will work through you. Verse nine. Then there arose from some of what is called the synagogue of the freedmen. They were Syrians, Alexanders, and those from Sicily and Asia. Okay, this thing called the synagogue of the freedom. These were guys at one time were slaves, but they became free. And literally these guys for that were, were slaves and became free. They were from Libya, they were from Egypt, and they were Turks. Now keep reading here with me. Those from Sicily and Asia... They begin to dispute with Stephen. They begin to argue with Stephen. You know what they begin to argue about? What he was teaching. And if you study this out, they were into being drunk. They were into promiscuous behavior, which was specially identified as sexual immorality. So you know what these guys were saying? We're free. We ought to do whatever we want. But this guy named Stephen, he doesn't back off. He doesn't bow to him. Verse number 10, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced or instigated men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous. So the word blasphemous here means false accusations. It means lies. It also has the meaning to injure. It also has the meaning to slander in speech. Now, why do I highlight this? Because the Lord said in Matthew 5, that there'll be ones that will begin to persecute you. That when you live by the word of God, they're gonna come after you. And I believe this is intensifying more and more. But let me help you just a little bit, even with the area of persecution. When you stand for Jesus at your workplace, you're going to be persecuted. How about this? Are any of you in here right now being persecuted by anybody within your family because you're standing for Jesus? Probably a lot of you. Have you ever gone to a family reunion? 
and you were the outcast of the family reunion, everybody would say, don't say that. The Jesus freak's here. Don't do this. See, there becomes a warning in here, and that's why Jesus said, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So in this setting here, Stephen begins to get persecuted. But he doesn't back off. He continues to preach the word of God. And when you study this, the Bible says that the progress report was the disciples begin to be multiplied and the word of God spread. And so in this, in this passage here, Stephen begins to preach at him. Turn, turn to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And he says to him, he says, you stiff-necked and hard-hearted. You won't have ears to hear my word. You won't obey my scriptures. You won't do the things. You close your heart to the things of God and you oppose the Holy Spirit. Now watch their response. This is Acts 7, verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to heart. They went on a violent rage. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. Whew. They began to persecute him. But he being full of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you would study this over and over, this whole passage, it's interesting how many times the Bible references Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you'll hear believers say, well, I thought all believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, why would this highlight this over and over? I believe part of us being filled with the Holy Spirit is all found in Galatians 5, 22, 23, which lists the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them. That only the Holy Spirit begins to work this on the inside of you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness. Now, when I read those nine fruit of the Spirit, can I tell you something? I need those on a daily basis. Because if I don't have them on a daily basis, if it's all dependent on me, this thing called me is gonna get in trouble. This thing called me has a tendency to speak before I think. Did anybody else have that problem? So when he said he was filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like, come on now, Stephen, stay, stay full of the Spirit of God where he can fill you with love even when you're being persecuted. Now, as I keep reading on this right here, I, I wish I could tell you it's gonna have a Hollywood ending. It's not. Verse 55, but he being filled with the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That's big right there. He's standing at the right hand of God. You know why that's big? Because in Hebrews 10, it says, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for me and you. He's praying for me and you. But here it says, he's standing. 
So because of Stephen's actions, because he doesn't bow to persecution, he gets heaven's attention. I believe Jesus was uh, seated at the right hand of the Father, like the Bible says, and he begins to see Stephen not bow to persecution. And he stands up, and Jesus is uh, peeking out of the windows of heaven, and he's looking down. He got heaven's attention. He says, that's my boy. That's my boy. Keep reading. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid him down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who is the apostle Paul. This was before Paul got born again. This was BC, this was before Christ. Every one of us have a BC story before Christ. That's what my daughter told my granddaughter last night. Poppy wasn't good before he got born again. I said, no, Poppy wasn't good before he got born again. But something happens when people give their heart to Jesus. Can I give you a little insight what happens? Jesus takes his messes and makes miracles. And I don't care how bad you've been. You know, some of you say, well, you don't know what I've done. Well, you don't know what I've done. God is a God who moves when we give our heart to him. So they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Now, I want you to picture this, okay? They're stoning him. And when they stoned you, they stoned you to death. It would end. I, I, I mean, there's some ways that wouldn't be pleasant to die. That'd be one of them. But I want you to think what he did here. It, it specifically said that he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. I mean, he, he's down on the ground and he's seeing him pelt him. He's looking at him and, and it said with a, a loud voice. You know why it was a loud voice? I think he wanted to let every one of them who were pelting him with those rocks, I think he wanted them to know. Don't charge them with this sin. Now it's big, you see that right there. He, he said, don't charge them with this sin. So he didn't blow it off. He didn't act like it wasn't sin. He said, don't charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. He died. His life was over. Now when I read this, I have the thought, what would begin to happen when me and you become persecuted if we lived with that same heart? If we prayed that? Father God, forgive him. You, you know what this literally means when Stephen says this? Listen real close. They sinned against me, but I don't want to press charges. Woo! My goodness. 
chapter 8, verse 1. This will be it in this, this in Acts. Now Saul, here he is again, Paul was consenting to his death and at that time great persecution arose against the church. Not a little persecution, great persecution against the church. But I want you to picture the church. The church isn't a building. The church is people. And so the closer we get to the coming of Jesus, these things are gonna become greater and greater and greater. And I don't say that to put fear in you. I say that stay with the kingdom of God. And part of that is to begin to imitate these great men and women of the Bible that said, this is what I do. So when great persecution begins to come at us and it'll happen, what do we do? Go to Colossians 3 and this is what we'll end with. Colossians chapter 3. Ooh, this is good. I'm telling you right here. I'm, I'm getting ready to give you the dessert, okay? Verse 10. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, you know how you become the elect of God? You gotta become born again. Give your heart to Jesus. Put on. Put on. Now, these couple of scriptures I'm gonna read, he'll mention put on twice. Put on. You know what put on is? That's a choice. Put on. You know how I know it's a choice? Because I can look down here right here and every one of you have shoes. You put on those shoes. You chose what shoes you were gonna wear today. You put them on. So to put on is a choice. Now look at these behaviors, these virtues that he tells us to put on. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Now, if I interpret this correctly, I'm to put on forgiveness. What would happen when I begin to put my socks on that I'd ask Father God to grace me to put on forgiveness? Help me, Father God. Now, when you see put on forgiveness, forgiveness is an act which one person releases another from the offense, refusing to enact penalty. Let me clarify something with forgiveness. To forgive is not to condone the sin as acceptable or to act like it made no difference. It also is not a license of repetition, but it is rather a choice, a decision made to no longer hold offense against the person or the group. Now he said, put on forgiveness. Oof. If anyone has a complaint, there's that stinking word, complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. Now, when I read the must do, he's not saying take it or leave it. That's a command. And when I obey the command, there's always a blessing. He ends here in verse 14, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, which is literally true maturity and perfection. Wow. 
put on. Put on. Take heed to myself. So you know, when you start a new year, lots of times people were saying, I need a word of God to start the new year. Man, I need a word from God. Well, sometimes I, I look at us as Christians and we place more stock in a fortune cookie than we do the word of God. You say, that hurt, Pastor. So I'm eating the other night and where I'm at, there's a fortune cookie. How many ever realize with a fortune cookie, they always lean to the positive? What do you mean? Little stuff like, hmm, promotion soon. The dream of your life's gonna happen. Your Cinderella's gonna come. But I've never opened a fortune cookie and it says, promotion isn't coming. I've never opened one that says, life sucks. Excuse me if that bothers you. That's in the Greek. I've never opened one that said, it's gonna be a year of death. But to start this year, if I was to give you a word from the Lord, it'd be put on forgiveness. Live with forgiveness. Let God move in our hearts. Let, let God move to a place where it becomes resolved in my heart, where I release, even in the area of persecution. I read this blogs and stuff, not blogs, but stories of a, a man who's died and gone home with Jesus. His name was David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson pastored in New York City. The borough that he pastored in, he had a great heart for his area. And so he would go out and he would street witnesses on Friday nights. And one Friday night, he was just telling people about Jesus loving right there on the street corner. And all of a sudden, the leader of this gang in this area sees him. And the gang leader goes over to him and says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm witness for Jesus. And he tells him, not on my turf. He said, don't ever come back here again or I'll kill you. Next Friday night, David Wilkerson went back to the strange street corner witnessing, leading people to Jesus. And the gang leader appears again. And he looks at him and says, I told you don't ever come here again. And he said, this is your last warning because the next time you come, I'll cut you up into a hundred little pieces. And David Wilkerson said, go ahead and cut me up in a hundred little pieces. Each one of those little pieces will say, I love you. After a period of time, even being persecuted, that gang member gave his heart to Jesus. And that gang member became one of the greatest street witnesses in that area. And his name was Nicky Cruz. 
Nikki Cruz went on to write a book called The Cross and the Switchblade, and he began to say, thank God for godly men and women that, that will continue to preach the gospel in the midst of persecution. I gotta have that. I gotta welcome that to say, Lord, I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna run the race and, and stand on your feet. And Friday night, I was in a deal up in Albuquerque and it was really, really late. And many of you may know the man of God, Tommy Barnett. He's 84 years old now. I gotta spend two hours with Tommy. I didn't end till 1.30 in the morning, which wasn't good for me. But man, I began to witness a man who had stayed with God. And he had stayed with God, and he had stayed with God. And that's what I want some of you to get in your heart. I, I gotta stay with God. I, I, I can't get off board today. I gotta stay with the Word of God. I gotta stay with the things of God. And so I ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. And I know now for three Sundays we've gone with unforgiveness, with bitterness, with what happens when persecuted even by family members. And I know there's some of you in here that you've been hurt, you've been wounded. And we're not about to deny that, but the reason we've stayed on this week at a time, some of you are like an onion and, and each week a piece of that onion gets peeled back and peeled back. And as long as you continue to respond to the things of God, God's gonna peel back another layer and another layer. And you know what? The prayer is, you're gonna know in your heart that you've done everything in your ability. It's resolved within me today, Lord. And the reason we're preaching is God wants to bless. God wants to move in our lives, but I cannot allow unforgiveness to stay with me. And so with your head bowed right now, you know, I made a comment several times this morning about you, you gotta be born again. You gotta give your heart to Jesus. That the only way he can take a mess to a miracle is you give your heart to Jesus. If you're here this morning and, and you need to give your heart to Jesus, if that's you, you say, that's me. Something's happening on the inside of me that's pulling me. I, I welcome you right now with, with loving arms to get out of your seat and, and to come down here and say, that's me today. I, I need to receive Jesus. Is there anyone in here that way that said, that's me? That's me. I, I need that God who takes messes and makes miracles. I need the God that would take a human being that has no purpose and move me into his purpose. That you, come on, I welcome you. So here's where we go. If you've been persecuted, I welcome you to come down here if you need to release people just like Stephen did. second thing and I believe this will pull on a lot of our hearts Lord I need grace today to put on tender mercies I need grace today to be loving kind tender hearted forgiving one another I need that I need grace today to put on love now when I don't want to love the Holy Spirit he compels me to love and, and this becomes the adventure of of the power of a living God. When I surrender to God and welcome the Holy Spirit, 
There's times in my life that I'll do things that I look and I think, that is so not me. That's, that's God. I don't want to do that, but the Holy Spirit in me, He begins to draw me to this. And so, as our team begins to play here, whoo, come on, let's, let's respond to God in one way. Let's welcome, whoo, a fresh grace, fresh repentance, fresh forgiveness. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.